0: You're listening to the EFC podcast. I'm Karen Stiller, bringing this podcast to you from my kitchen counter. There are so many good things happening right now, even during the time of COVID 19. Today, we bring you two of them. We speak with Travis Blackmore of Lion Hearts, a ministry that, in normal days, acts as a kind of superhero middleman between companies and stores getting rid of excess food products and the ministries and outreach programs who can use that food. Lion Hearts did a massive shift in the light of COVID 19. And we think you'll enjoy hearing about that and being inspired by them. I also spoke to Tim Huff, founder and creative and development lead of Youth Unlimited's Compassion Series. Under the umbrella of that series, Tim has produced resources for children and adults and written children's books that help children cope with anxiety, but also grow in compassion and generosity. His latest project, Born Out of COVID-19, is a series of coloring pages to help us thank frontline workers. And it's not just children who are colored you'll find Tim's work and his mission to bring hope serve well and celebrate very inspiring hey travis thank you for joining us
1: well thank you so much for having me
0: so tell us um, tell us about lion hearts tell us what your ministry does and how it came about
1: for sure so um in <laughs> it seems like a prior life now but earlier in life i was actually a touring Drummer, I used to be a hired gun. I used to travel for a living and play drums for lots of different um, bands or Christian artists. And uh, when I finished touring and I came off the road, spend time more time with my family. Uh, there was a real shift in my life. I had grown up a pastor's kid, uh, and I had been used to the church and and it really resonated with me. It was doing uh, local charity work. You know, sort of working in uh, our city's own backyard, if you will. And there was a number of other friends that felt the same, and we weren't quite sure where to start. But we had an opportunity with uh, a rather large company called Costco.
0: Yes, I've heard of it. <laughs> and you're in you're in Kingston, Ontario, right, Travis? Yes, that's right. Okay, good. yep yeah.
1: And uh, what happened was we were really looking around the city and we saw that there were lots of outlets that were already feeding people. So we didn't really think there was a need for necessarily another, uh, feeding location, but we had an opportunity with Costco and they suggested, you know, if you'd like to pick up whatever we discard, sometimes they throw things away, not necessarily because, uh, they may be over expiration date or anything like that. It could be something as simple as it got, uh, the packaging got damaged in transit. You know, they have so many different, um, qualifications for stuff, making it actually to the floor. So they said, you know, we have a number of items that, uh, don't make it to the floor. And if you'd be interested in picking those up, then we would allow you to do that. So A very keen friend of myself, Uh, his name is Sean Sargent. He's actually our operations manager still to this day, and we've been doing this for five years now. Um, We began to pick up every morning at 7.30
0: at Costco Kingston. Okay, and tell it, so this is food, mostly, you're talking about, like produce and that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, Uh, So to
1: give you an idea... That's kind of what Lion Hearts is. Uh, at least the bulk of what we do is now gathering uh, discarded food or donated food to us. And then we turn around and distribute that food to more than 30 different agencies here in the local uh, Kingston area.
0: Okay. So agencies meaning like other uh, Christian ministries, some of them, I'm sure, and other places that provide food or if you're talking about food banks that kind of a place
1: could be it could be anything they might be from a church they might be government um so other agencies you would absolutely know the salvation army things like that but there are lots of agencies here in kingston that run regular meal programs you know five six seven days a week and uh we would make deliveries of that to them whether it was bread or produce like you said we keep them stocked. We do more than thirty different agencies every week, and wow. over the we've gained more uh, momentum. We have other sponsors as well, or other partners like Starbucks, Little Caesars, um, Findlay Foods, uh, some of the hospitals that are here in Kingston donate to us, and uh, we've grown over the last five years. And our numbers last year were two point three million dollars worth of food. Uh, put back into the Kingston community to help feed people.
0: Amazing, Travis, do you know of the other Canadian cities that have, uh, you know, a version of Lion Hearts? I mean, it sounds like something every big city should have.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's a really major one in Toronto called Second Harvest. And uh, that's what they do as well. They're okay. a food gathering company uh, for charities and deliver it to charities. So, I mean, something you'd be familiar with maybe would be a company like Cisco. Uh, a lot of people see what Cisco is they 're not sure what it does, but it 's a monster thing. They got lots of trucks that 's a food distributor, so they would take food to montana's or the keg or whatever. so we would take that food and give it to other charities so that t- version of a cisco
0: <laughs> okay that's uh, that is so cool so then when covid nineteen hit, how did that impact the work you were doing and how did you shift or what happened?
1: Well we play a what I would call sort of a, a background role in the city. Uh, we're delivering to charities that have a building or a feeding program, which means they need to have some type of uh, venue for them to hold what they do and uh, give access to those in need. Uh, we have a, a warehouse and we're very much as a distribution unit and we're having a very unique overview of the city. And when COVID-19 hit, a number of the smaller agencies, we witnessed them beginning to close. And that could be because they have a, a vulnerable vol- volunteer base, um, don't have the money to continue to run. There's there's any number of reasons. And uh, we were left with only some of the, the larger uh, feeding mechanisms here in the city. We approached those places that were still around. We noticed that there wasn't any company that was uh, covering the dinner hour for either people on the street or, or what have you. And we took counsel with our partners, our frontline agency partners, and, and suggested that maybe we could do a Meals to Go program that would be run by Lionhearts. And they thought that that would be wonderful. It would cover the dinner hour. We're the only ones covering dinner hour. We would choose to start at a prominently a prominent park in Kingston, and um, that has a very transient street population that would go through there. So naturally, we needed to lobby with the city. We needed to work with public health. We needed to have a whole new set of policies and procedures that would allow us to do this program with the social distancing have all of that approved in order to begin to put this mobile um, mobile machine into place, if you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a big shift. So you're going from basically being kind of a middle person dropping food off to other places to actually being a frontline supplier of a meal, presumably
1: hundred percent. Okay. We, we found uh, wonderful partners with the city. And, and, and again, because we're a distribution unit, we obviously have a lot of food. So it it becomes a benefit for us to make sure that that food gets consumed. That's our ultimate goal is to have, you know, no food go to a landfill, right? Yeah. Um, so we we found favor with the city. We've been working tightly with them with their public health unit. And we began serving meals to go. At McBurney Park in Kingston, Ontario, uh, on Wednesday, March the 18th. And night one, there was 37 meals to go packages went out on night number one. And la- as of last night, we served over 10,000 meals in the last four weeks.
0: Okay, so a running total, as of last night, you served your 10,000th ten- 10, meal. That's right. Wow, yeah, that's incredible.
1: We're averaging over 600 meals a day. So to see it go from night one of 37 meals to now over 600 meals a day. I mean, to be honest, it's a it's um it's a little bit sad. It kind of gives you an idea of the temperature of what's happening out there.
0: Right, right, because you're i I would imagine with those numbers you are seeing uh maybe some people who might not otherwise in say quote unquote normal times need access to this kind of a service. is that right
1: yeah, absolutely, you know over the last four weeks, we've seen it go from folks on the street to low income uh margins and brackets, you know people that are laid off now, uh everybody has a different story, and um the need continues. We've seen nothing but the numbers increase.
0: Travis, walk me through like, so you're picking up, you're still doing all your picking up. That's where you're getting your raw material, let's say the food you're using to create these meals. So how are you figuring out what you're going to be serving? Are you, you know, do you know that on the morning of because you know, you've got 10,000 bushels of Brussels sprouts or like, how, how do you do that? Uh,
1: well, to be honest, we have an operations manager for uh, our project. And at this point we started in the, in the early days, we started with one chef. We actually had a really high end chef in the city of Kingston that was laid off and he volunteered to come in and begin to create this meal program with us and, uh, would sort of set out what we need and try to project through the week. Now, of course, a lot of things is subject to, like you said, what does come in in the morning. But what can happen is as the meal program proceeds, where we end up lacking is in certain areas like protein. You know, we won't have any chicken donated. So we'll have to go and purchase chicken.
0: And that's
1: very expensive as time marches forward. Um, The amazing part is with 600 meals going out the door every day, we have six full-time chefs at this point (laughs) creating these meals and making a meal program through the week and we try to project and uh, COVID has really turned things upside down for a lot of charities out there. It's, it's, um, it's very difficult to accept new volunteers. And in fact, we've actually put a stop on accepting volunteers with everyone being home. Of course, everyone wants to help. Sure. We've also not been able to take donations of food products from the general population. It has to all come through our registered partners, whether that's Costco or another charity or something of that nature. So therefore, the cost of putting on meals to go has gone, you know, quite expensive over the last few weeks.
0: And so are churches playing a role like uh, how I I understand you have some churches involved? Tell me about that
1: yeah so naturally, with uh delivering to different agencies, some of those agencies are church agencies and when this began to break out uh, because of our you know relationship with them over the years, a lot of them have put together some smaller teams we also even internally inside of Lionhearts, everything had to switch and have appropriate uh social distancing even even with us. We have some very strict guidelines. <laughs> Our volunteers and they work in very small groups in order to accomplish uh, this mission. So some of those churches that we work with pulled their audience and were able to submit a team for training to give us some extra volunteers.
0: Ah, oh, so very good.
1: We'll take those teams and we'll actually divide them up so that they're not necessarily in the same area. <laughs> and the reason for that being is, you know, if, if Uh, your packing team has someone who becomes compromised. You can easily switch out the packing team for a different packing team. You don't have to close your whole operation, right? Sure. So there's a lot of different logistics that we've had to adapt to and policy safety, especially safety policies, uh, over the last four weeks that we could have never, uh, five, five, six weeks ago, we would have never thought any of this would be going on.
0: Yeah, Travis. What do you think you're learning at Lionhearts that you'll carry with you into the future after this pandemic is over?
1: I think what what I take with me into the future is uh, is a lot of hope. To be honest, um, I've seen people all walks of life, church, not church, uh, sort of come together to put these meal packages together to feed. Not just someone on the street, but in this particular circumstance, it could be their neighbor, it could be their grandmother, it could be their friend's grandmother. Um, I've seen a real shift in people caring for others at a at a level that I hadn't seen before, especially in in our context uh, locally. That's that's a really touching thing to witness. That hope that people can come together and sort of forget about. Uh, some differences and realize people need love. And some, sometimes that starts with a, a meal and yeah. a smile. You know, we have lots of people that come through the line that this is the only meal they had that day and this was the only smile they saw that day. The unfortunate part is we don't have an end date for this, as you know, and we could be easily into this program till July or August or beyond. And the dedication of the people that we see Uh, within our crew, new and old, has just been rekindled to really step up during these times. And it's something I haven't seen quite to this level before.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's really wonderful. Travis, if uh, t- if people want to find out more about Lion Hearts and the work you're doing so they can either support it or even just, you know, try to learn from you and and see what maybe they could get going in their own communities even beyond this time. Um, where can they find you online?
1: Absolutely. So our website is www.lionhearts.ca. L I O N hearts.ca. Uh, we have a COVID-19 page there and all of our uh, social media platforms are always operating at uh, seemingly Mach 10 <laughs> everything from Facebook to Instagram, Twitter, YouTube uh, whatever your your preference is we have a, pres- a presence there and it's updated every few hours
0: Travis, when this is over, you are going to need a vacation or even uh, just a day off, I hope.
1: Well, it's, it's uh, honestly, our entire crew is just unbelievable. Our operations manager to his different heads of departments. There's a lot of moving pieces that happen here. There's people working seven days a week. And to be honest, we're really honored to be working side by side with so many frontline agencies that we've had these relationships with over the, built these relationships with over the last four or five years. And it's an honor just to get to stand side by side with them and and sort of hold the line.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And those relationships will uh, carry forward into the future and, you know, probably countless ways that you can't even anticipate now, but that will serve your communities well in the days ahead. So that's, that's pretty cool too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. We're just happy to be there for for them, you know. Thank you, Travis. Hey, thanks, Karen. Thanks so much for having us.
0: Tim, tell us about this quarantine coloring page project. How it came about, and a little bit of the wonderful response you seem to be getting to it.
2: Well, really, I'd been doing uh, kids' book launches for quite some time for some books I've been writing through my ministry and work. And I would do coloring pages, so when the kids were waiting for the event to happen, uh, they weren't bored. And sometimes I got more responses to the coloring pages than I did to the book launch. So that's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. And uh, so that just became part of what I did for these five different kids' books I've done. Then when we came to this special time, um, unique, tragic, you know, all the things, complex time it is um just knowing people were at home and just seeing online people were trying to figure out what can we do with our kids and how are we going to get through this and i thought well maybe these coloring pages could be something they could do as a family but also importantly a discussion starter uh what what does what does a scientist actually do what does a janitor actually do um and so we could celebrate our real life heroes at the same time as doing something creative and discussing as a family, discussing as families or whoever's in your home, about how important the everyday person is, how they're heroes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, Tim, it strikes me um, right away that your a lot of your other work is both based on helping parents and children deal with fear and anxiety in children and that helping you know talking through with our children the fact that there are these frontline essential workers out there you know keeping the world a little more sane and safe would actually help with some of that fear and anxiety in children were you thinking about that too
2: yeah for sure um inside of our am i safe book which is one I wrote with Iona Snare and, and then I illustrated it. Uh, we have a, uh, the back section is all like a toolkit for families. And one of the things we point to is is pretty standard, but we break it out in a pretty big way. It's a Mr. Rogers theory, like look to the helpers. Mm, <laughs> Part of very good. The way of getting through the crisis is to look to the helpers. And there's comfort in that. There's celebration in that there's hope in that and so this is a way but the fun part about this one i guess is we're used to having pretend superheroes and sports stars and celebrities but you know to celebrate hydro workers
0: yes <laughs>
2: you know is it a grocery store clerks gas station attendants is a whole different ballgame
0: yeah very under celebrated people typically. They're that's, not not careers we tend to focus on. But now yeah. we're discovering how essential they really are.
2: Yeah. I mean, how great that is for society. You, you, you must and you want to look for the good things that will be on the other side of this. And one of them will be that there'll be a lot of people we don't take for granted anymore.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So how many coloring pages have you created so far? Well,
2: I've created um, 14 so far that represent uh, 35 people groups. Wow. So, (laughs) And uh, truly, every day I wake up to countless emails asking me to create one for their working group. And the big shocker in this is these are coming from adults, all these messages, who really are taking this quite personally that there needs to be a children's coloring page for them.
0: Cause it's important to say the coloring page has a clearer message of gratitude. Like they, they all say, thank you. Right.
2: In big letters. And we kind of state what they are. And then, uh, I draw the, the, the visuals that go with them and people just aren't. I know that like, for example, um, waste haulers, the people that drive the big waste trucks, I included them with sanitation workers and garbage collectors on, on a page and instantly, one woman um, who runs one of the waste companies said, we're sending it out to all 18,000 of our of our workers for their families to color these.
0: Oh, that's and then, wonderful. And then I
2: heard from another waste company and, and, and on the East Coast, just like the same day, said, we're sending out this to all our families. Like, just people are getting so excited about it and taking it so personally. It, it's been a shocker, but a happy shocker.
0: Yeah, that's so great. And I think it speaks to, um, you know, our desire to do something, to do something nice for people. And, and the, the ways we would normally do that, uh, we're not really allowed to do that right now, whether it's giving a hug or, you know, seeing people in person. So you have given people a, a, a way to, you know, say thank you in a, in, in a safe way, in a fun, cheerful way. So it, it doesn't surprise me that you've hit a nerve.
2: Yeah, it's been really fun to see how people have used it too. Like people are putting them on their post boxes, the one for post offices. And yesterday, Steve Bell, you know, the award-winning singer-songwriter, is one of my close, close buddies. But he took the one for um, nursing home uh, staff and he spent the afternoon coloring it and was taking it over to the nursing home uh, where his mom is at. To
0: give it oh, to them. I love it. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> and, yeah. And post, he posted it in his post. He said, I haven't colored for decades. And he talked about how relaxing it was. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, as well, as we know, adults do color more now than they ever have. So, uh, or yeah. yeah, probably than they ha- ever have. Let me tell you, Tim, I have a note on my uh, mailbox out front that I put up last week thanking our mail worker and reassuring Mm -hmm. them that I clean our mailbox every day uh which I do and I'm just I mean mail time is you know a big time now right uh when it arrives but before as I prepared to speak with you today I I printed off the postal worker thank you coloring page and I handed it to my 21 year old daughter and I asked her if she'd like to color it and we'll stick it on the mailbox so um yeah. So we'll be doing it as well.
2: That is that is so sweet. Uh, interesting. So the kids, I'm hearing from grandparents and parents talking about how their kids are looking for them each day, which is such a surprise, but uh, I'm seeing Facebook groups that I didn't even know existed. There's one called Adult Coloring 101 that has really picked up this and <laughs> they're kind of sharing it with everyone as well.
0: That's so neat. So I'm thinking again about the whole the value of gratitude and uh, doing good things, even for the giver. And I'm wondering for you, Tim, as you live through this um, pandemic, just like everyone else, what has this creative project done for you and your spirits?
2: Well, uh, it's been a a real encouragement. I mean, I've been doing um, books and projects and social justice things for many years. I'm not sure I've ever touched a nerve like this, which is amazing because I'm doing it all with a Sharpie and a paper in my small home office, as opposed to all the fundraising you do and people hours you do for all kinds of other events and stuff. So that's been uh, a real encouragement to me. But I think what really gets to me is the mandate when I started the Compassion Series, it's a program of Youth Unlimited, um, six years ago was that everything would have to fit under the umbrella of it bring hope, serve well, celebrate. It's our mantra, that's our motto, bring hope, serve well, celebrate. And uh, I'm finding that these color pages kind of hit hit that nerve uh, on all three. And the way people are even responding with messaging me that this is hopeful in some way, that this celebrates the servers. And for sure, the celebrate, I always say, when I teach in schools, whether it's university or children's, Um, places or speak to adults, find every day, find someone or something to celebrate. That is part of good, strong, loving survival. And so I think the idea that this is full of celebration in a difficult time, uh, is an encouragement to hopefully to other people that take it on, but it's an encouragement to me that that messaging is the right messaging.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I love that. I wrote it down, bring hope, serve well, celebrate that I'm going to completely co-opt that uh, for our home theme in the next couple of weeks or, you know, as this uh, situation lasts and unfolds, because if we can, if we could focus on those three things, bringing hope, serving well and celebrating, I mean, I think we'll all do so much better.
2: Well, even as a person of faith, when we started into that, I would always say, you know, The life of Jesus, he's always one, two, or three things we were being taught to either bring hope, to serve well, or to celebrate. One, two, or all three of those things were all part of the Jesus story. And then when I take it into the mainstream venue, into public schools or places like that, they receive that conversation really well. Bring hope, serve well, celebrate. They understand that. Yeah, I quite often I've said if that is what people of faith were known Christians were known as the people that bring hope serve well and celebrate wow what a transition we would have in <laughs> in Christian
0: communities yeah no it's very powerful so Tim if someone's listening and they want to color or no matter what their age or <laughs> how can they find the coloring pages online
2: coloring pages are easy to find compassionseries.com slash. Am I Safe? So they're on our Am I Safe page because that's where we started. We have live videos where we're kind of doing teaching for uh, adults and families about how maybe to walk through this time together. We have a free digital uh, download of the book. I contacted my publisher and said, "I even though we sell this book, it's in all the bookstores and everything, right now just people need access to it. So that's there. A family lullaby from Steve Bell is on there. So you'll find all the coloring pages, the 14 that are there and all the ones I'm going to continue to do. you will find all kinds of other resources that align with them that might be helpful to you at this time or at any time that's kind of difficult to get through.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Tim, thank you so much for what you're doing.
2: Uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.